certainly appreciate Brother J.C. reading that article. Brother Larry had sent me a copy of it uh, with a nice note, and we had planned to put that in the bulletin next week, which we will still do, because there are many who receive our bulletin, obviously, who are not here today and who would enjoy hearing from Larry. He's a fine, faithful, very talented gospel preacher, and uh, he's doing an awful lot of good work where he is and beyond because he uh, is used uh, heavily as polishing the pulpit uh, the last couple of years especially, and uh, we appreciate all that uh, Larry does uh, in the kingdom and his encouragement of uh, the work here uh, as well. A man had seen a fellow worker of his buried two weeks earlier, and in reflecting upon it, he was telling someone about the death of his co-worker and was noting that that co-worker had already been replaced at the office as if he had never existed. The surviving co-worker was further thinking about his own situation, and he couldn't help but think that the same thing would happen to him one day. He would die, and it would be forgotten that he had ever lived. This man was haunted, not by the fear of death, but he was haunted by the thought that at his death, when he did die, his life would have been of no real importance, that no one would remember what he had done in life. You know, Solomon looked at life under the sun, and as he looked at life under the sun, he first declared that all is vanity. But then, after cataloging the world's evils and deciding that the roads of wealth and wisdom and pleasure led to dead ends, he gave advice, advice that is recorded for us in the book of Ecclesiastes, and at chapter 9, beginning at verse 7, here's what the wise man wrote by inspiration, go eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man also does not know his time, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. In this passage, Solomon advised, whatever you do, do it with your might. Live every day to the fullest. 
gaining satisfaction, not in the a few great deeds, but really in the thousands of, of little ones. He's talking about life under the sun. But how do we, how do we live that life as Solomon would have advise joyfully and doing all that we can, whatever we do, to do it with all of our might, etc. Let me suggest we can achieve that joyful life under the sun by following four rules for living. Four rules for living. The first of which is to accept adversity. Accept adversity. Prepare for it. Prepare to accept adversity and prepare to accept pain. And if you don't, you'll never dare to hope or to love. You know, we must have a readiness to feel. And that includes a readiness to feel pain. Otherwise, we can never really fully appreciate joy or feel joy to the fullest. Why are there so many suicides? I read or heard just recently of a teenager. You probably heard or saw the record of the account. He killed himself by allowing a cobra to bite him multiple times. That was the way he chose to commit suicide, a teenager. Why are there so many suicides? Why are so many teenagers, so many young people committing suicide. Perhaps society's attitude toward pain is a factor. Not just physical pain, but all sorts of pain, emotional pain as well. And we have been led to believe that for every pain there is a pill. And so when the pain doesn't go away, there are many people who just simply cannot cope with it. But pain is a part of life. And it will not last forever. It is bearable. Broken hearts, like broken bones, ultimately heal. I'll never forget Brother Tom Miller when he was with the East Tennessee School of Preaching, as it was called then, came to Greenville where I was preaching and did a grief seminar, a gospel meeting with an emphasis on grief on a weekend. And he had lost his wife, his first wife. He had remarried sometime later, but... In that grief seminar, I remember this statement. He said, after loss, there is life, laughter, and love. After loss, there is life, laughter, and love. And that leads us to the second rule for living. So that we can truly live every day to the fullest and gain satisfaction, not in those great few deeds, but in the thousands of little ones. Not only accept adversity, but secondly, learn to love and to lean. Learn to love and to lean. You know, we need to be close to at least a few people with whom we can share our whole lives. There's a scene from a television drama, and in this particular scene, it depicts two honeymooners. And they're standing on the rail of an ocean liner, obviously on their honeymoon trip. And the young bride says, you know, if I were to die tomorrow, I would feel 
that my life had been full because I have known your love. And the husband kisses her and they move away and as they move away you see the name of the ship on the life preserver, Titanic. There was a man who watched a little boy and girl building an elaborate sandcastle on a beach and when they were almost finished a big wave reduced their project to a pile of wet sand and the observer was fully expecting to see both those children burst into tears and instead they just simply they simply ran up the shore laughing and holding hands and then they sat down and started to build another sandcastle all the structures we spend so much time creating in this life are built on sand. A wave may knock them down at any time. And when that happens, the person who has someone's hand to hold will be able to start over and will be able to laugh again. And isn't that really one of the most precious, precious commodities, if you will, that we have as children of God as Christians that those in the world many times do not have. We have the church. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, yes, hopefully we have, we have close family who would fall into that category as one or ones to whom we could turn in times of difficulty and trouble. But the family of God, the family of God, and that precious, sweet fellowship. And J.C. asked me to read that first chapter of 1 John this morning. And it is a chapter that emphasizes the preciousness of that fellowship and the closeness that exists among those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so our first rule for living is to accept adversity. It's going to come if we live long at all. And secondly, learn to love and to lean. And thirdly, contribute to change. Make a contribution to change. We can make a difference. We can make a difference by teaching, not just in a classroom, but in the classroom of life. And isn't that what we're called to do if we are Christians? Jesus calls upon us to be teachers in the classroom of life. In the Sermon on the Mount at Matthew 5, 13, beginning, he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do men light a lamp, put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's contributing to change. And again, we ask, who can make the greatest contribution to change other than the Christian? Who other than the Christian can make the greatest contribution to change? Oh, there have been inventors, Thomas Edison and so many others who could be named who have contributed tremendously to change the lives of people, including our own. And we're grateful for the advancement of technology and those who have devoted countless hours to ultimately invent something that has brought about a tremendous benefit to our physical daily lives. But despite all of those contributions, and if you put them all together, 
combined them all and weighed them against the contribution that one Christian can make, the scales will always be tipped in favor of the one Christian versus all of the non-Christian contributions that have ever been or ever shall be made to this world. Contribute to change. Teach a child. Teach a fellow worker. And teach by example and by word. I'm reminded of what Adam Evans a few weeks ago reminded us about in that great sermon on on evangelism and the need to be evangelistic. It's not enough to simply live the Christian life. We must teach. We must speak a good word for Jesus when we have those opportunities. Contribute to change. Accept adversity, learn to love and to lean, contribute to change. And our final and fourth rule for living is live. Until you leave. Live until you leave. Don't stop living until you leave. The philosopher Horace Collin Collin said once, quote, There are persons who shape their lives by the fear of death and persons who shape their lives by the joy of life. The former live dying. The latter die living. And then he said, whenever I die, I intend to die living. And that should be our determination, that we're determined to die living. And so we need to stop searching for the great deeds to give our lives meaning and settle instead for the gratifying moments that come to us every day. Life is not about power. It's about passion. Passion for living, for loving, and for being loved. Life is not about amassing great wealth, but about accumulating the real treasures along our journey. A new friend, a new truth, a new experience. All of which make us richer than we were. But let me ask this. Can we deal with the question of life's ultimate meaning without reference to God? Many contend one can. I say no. You really cannot deal with the question of life's ultimate meaning without reference to God. Solomon talked about life under the sun. And in the passage we read, while you are living under the sun, live it to the fullest. But he could not deal with life without reference to God. Not when it came to the ultimate meaning. And he tried it all. And he did it all. And he concluded, this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. The word duty is added there, but literally the idea is that this is man's all. This is his whole being, is to fear God and keep his commandments. Solomon believed life had to be more than biological existence. 
And he explored it all and he pursued it all in so many ways. And then concluded, fear God and keep his commandments. You see, man without God can only judge by results. Man without God can only judge by achievement. Did you win or did you lose? That's what you have to deal with without God. Did you win or lose? Did you show a profit or did you show a loss? But you see, God alone can judge us on the basis of who we are, not just on what we've done. God sees success where no one else does. God gives us credit for angry words that we do not speak. He knows of the temptations that we successfully resisted. God sees our patience. God sees our gentleness that is seldom noticed by those around us. And in fact is sometimes mocked by those in the world. With God, such good deeds are never frivolous and they are never forgotten because God measures them in view of eternity. And man without God views everything in the here and now. And so as we conclude, think about this. God enables me to follow these four, four rules of living. God enables me to accept adversity. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 14 through 18 What did Paul write there? He wrote about knowing verse 14 that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for the moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. Well, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's how God enables me to accept adversity. With reassurances like those in Philippians 4.13 and 2 Corinthians 4.14 and following, which we just noticed. God enables me to learn to love and to lean told me just how to do it and to what degree in John 13 34 and 35 when he said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another oh yes and God has told me how to contribute to change when he told me about Abel for example in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he bore witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, yet speaks. And in Revelation 14, 13, John, in that vision, was told to write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. That's how I contribute to change, by living a life of faith. And when I'm dead, I'll still be speaking because of that life. And so will you, if you live it as a Christian. And finally, God enables me to live until I leave. Because he's enabled me to live the greatest life there is on this earth, the life of a Christian. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, he stated in John 10 and verse 10. And in Revelation 2 and verse 10, he wrote, The devil is about to throw some of you into prison and you'll be tested and you'll have tribulation ten days. He said, Here, you be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. Live until you leave even if that living involves persecution, sacrifice, suffering. Live until you leave and you have the promise of the crown of life. When are you truly alive? It's when you're no longer afraid to die. That's when you're truly alive. And the only one who should not be afraid to die is the Christian. Everyone else should fear it and act upon that fear in the only way you can alleviate it, and that's by becoming a Christian. If you haven't done that, we plead with you to do it this morning. To become a child of God in the only way one can do so, by a belief in Jesus as the Christ that leads you to repent of your sins, to confess him to be the Christ, and then to be buried with him in baptism for the remission of those sins. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And as you rise from the waters of baptism, cleansed in the water, not by the water, but by the blood that is applied there from heaven itself, you rise to walk in newness of life with the understanding that you're going to have to accept adversity, but that you can learn to love and to lean by following the love that the Savior manifested for you and for me, that you can make the greatest contribution to change that anyone could ever make in this world because you're a Christian making that change. And you must determine to live until you leave by being faithful from the day you become a child of God until the day you draw your last breath or until the Lord comes again, whichever occurs first. If there's someone here who has done all but living until you leave, and you know this morning you haven't achieved that because you've fallen away. Thanks be to God, you can come home. In repentance and confession of any public sin that needs to be confessed, simply saying, I have sinned, Lord, I'm coming home, as we so often sing in that beautiful hymn. And the Lord welcomes you home, forgives you as you truly repent, and allows you once again to take up the life you once lived with a determination to live it this time until you leave. As we stand to sing, will you come?